by the end of the day, we had the result back and, and I got a call from Dr. Brown that my Ebola test was positive for Ebola, that, that I had the disease. Dr. Rick Sacra has worked as a medical missionary in Liberia for almost 25 years. He contracted Ebola in 2014. You know, I'd been a Christian since I was a young child, but I think to really have my faith tested like that, that was the first time that I'd ever really had to think about dying. And on the day you call me in to heaven's sweet embrace, I see your scars, your open arms, and the beauty of your face. Through tears of joy, I lift my voice in everlasting praise. Hallelujah, Christ is risen from the grave. Dr. Rick Sacra is our guest on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Jim Kirkland. Dr. Sacra calls Liberia his adopted home. It's also one of 11 African countries Billy Graham visited during an outreach in 1972. Now, a little later in this episode, you'll hear some of what he had to say while he was there. Whether a man has yellow skin, white skin, or black skin, his heart is the same. God does not look upon people as representing various races. He only divides the human race into two categories, the saved and the unsaved. To the unsaved of the world, he says, your sins can be forgiven. You can find peace, joy, and rest. As you listen to that, did you feel as if that message was for you? Would you like to find peace and joy and rest? It begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we can help with that. Visit this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. And one more easy address to give you, our email address. It's gps at billygram.org. You can use that to let us know what you thought of a particular episode, to suggest someone as a guest, let us know how God's been working in your life recently, or just drop us a note to say, hey, whatever it is, though, we would love to hear from you. The address again is gps at billygram.org. GPS. God. People. Stories. As a young uh, boy growing up in Sunday school, we had missionaries who would come to visit our church and tell their stories. And I remember just thinking, I want to be like that. Rick Sacra grew up in Wayland, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. He was six or seven when he surrendered his life to Jesus. That's also when he first started thinking about being a missionary. I want to be able to go to places where people are less fortunate than I am, where people are maybe from a different culture and maybe don't have an opportunity to read the Bible in their own language. And I want to, I want to be able to reach out to them. That was that was really my goal from a pretty young age and just a conviction and a, a leaning that God put in my heart. Another leaning God put in Rick's heart was medicine. In school, I was the kind of kid who would go to the library and get out a big pile of books, human body books and science books in elementary school. By the time I was in junior high and high school, I was aiming for medical school, really wanted to be a doctor and to be able to use medicine, both to help people less fortunate than I was and to do it in the name of Jesus. That was something I had in my heart. Here in our hearts, Lord, we are for something that's far beyond what we have seen or heard. 
In spite of the interest that he felt about serving people overseas, Rick didn't go on his first foreign mission trip until after his senior year of college. It was a trip to Japan, and he spent six weeks there. His next trip was a few years later in 1987. He took a year off med school to serve as a medical missionary in West Africa with his wife, Debbie. They worked with the ministry SIM in Liberia. Actually, they invited us to come, not because of me, but because they had a school on the campus as well, a school for missionary children. And my wife is a school teacher, or was a school teacher at the time. Was you know That's her training, junior high social studies. And so they needed a junior high social studies teacher. And so that was actually the reason we got accepted. Initially, the answer was, no, you can't come for a whole year as a medical student. But then about 10 days later, we heard back from them, oh, Uh, Your wife is a school teacher. Uh, We need her. We'll find something for you to do. Rick and Debbie fell in love with the people of Liberia. When we first went there in 1987, you know, people were of modest means. They'd live in a little house often made of mud bricks with sometimes a thatch roof or sometimes a corrugated tin. People had pretty simple lives. They either farmed and grew rice or vegetables or, you know, their own food for the most part. It was a humble existence, but people were very, very kind and hospitable. It's a culture that's really focused on people and the needs of people, not so much on time. So sometimes people get frustrated because things don't happen on time always, but people are very giving and very uh, hospitable. After their first year in Liberia, Rick and Debbie moved back to the States. About six years later, Rick had finished his schooling, his residency, and an obligation to practice medicine in Massachusetts, where he'd attended a state school. So now he and Debbie were ready to move to Liberia permanently and work with SIM. It took them about a year to raise their support, and they were back in Liberia by April of 1995. There are some things that you have to adjust to just in terms of the heat, not having maybe some of the technology or the, or the comforts of home. But we had been looking forward to being back in Liberia for quite a while, so... It wasn't too hard for us to dive back into life and work in Liberia. The life that Rick and Debbie dove back into was one with a lot of challenges in it. One of the biggest challenges for Rick for the first few years was trying to achieve balance in his life. Trying to figure out how to make sure I was depending on God, how how to make sure I was being realistic about how much time I needed to spend with my family. You know, I was a dad. I had... I had little boys, and also just growing in our marriage, my wife and I, uh, learning how to communicate, learning how to bear with one another through all the stresses and strains. Nothing between us The veil is torn You're calling us closer And we run to you, There was one stress headed toward Rick and Debbie, though, that would be like no other stress they had ever encountered. In the early part of 2014, they had an Ebola outbreak up near the border between the three countries, Guinea, Sierra Leone, and Liberia. That was a total surprise to us because we had never had Ebola before in West Africa. It it had always been in Central Africa before, like in places like Congo, Sudan, Uganda. So that was a new thing for us. When the Ebola outbreak started, Rick was in Massachusetts. He'd been splitting his time between there and Liberia. 
you know, that was a very difficult time period. Uh, Dr. Kent Brantley and Nancy Wrightball at the end of July both came down with Ebola virus disease themselves and had to be evacuated. And that was when I was asked to return. I was supposed to go in the middle of August, and I was asked to return a couple weeks earlier to help Dr. Jerry Brown, our medical director, to reopen the hospital you know, as part of the medical staff and provide support. So I went in the first weekend in August. That was a very tough time in Monrovia. Almost all the hospitals were closed. People were having struggles and medical problems, you know, even those that had nothing to do with Ebola. Uh, if a woman needed a C-section or somebody had appendicitis or some other thing, there was no place for people to go because Doctors or nurses had gotten sick with Ebola at the different health centers and hospitals, and a lot of places had closed. Rick wasn't working in an Ebola center. He was mostly treating pregnant women and performing C-sections. What we didn't realize at the time was that sometimes a pregnant woman may not have a fever even if she has Ebola. Normally, you can use the temperature as a screening test because anybody with Ebola should have a temperature of a, above 100.4 degrees all the time. Unfortunately, pregnancy changes the immune system, and that was something we didn't know yet. But we discovered later that pregnant women can sometimes have Ebola and not have a fever. So we did wind up with somebody with Ebola in the hospital. We're not actually even 100% sure which patient that was. Whoever that patient was, though, she was apparently a patient Rick had treated because he came down with the disease. It started on Friday, August 29th, 2014. Later that evening, I started not feeling well and having a little bit of a fever, feeling chilly. About 10 in the evening, I got a real strong chill and I took my temperature and it was it was 100.8. And from that point on, on I, I isolated myself. I didn't go anywhere after that. I didn't uh, leave my apartment. What Rick did do was continue to monitor his temperature all weekend. He also called his wife to let her know what was happening, and he called his boss, Dr. Jerry Brown. We decided to wait until Monday because if you do the Ebola test too early, sometimes you can get a false negative. So since I wasn't too sick and I was only experiencing the fever, we decided to wait until Monday. So we did that on Monday morning, and by the end of the day, we had the result back, and, and I got a call from Dr. Brown that my Ebola test was positive for Ebola and that, that I had the disease. You are my only hope. You are the rock on which I stand. And you will not let me go. I know that I'm safe inside your head. Ebola is what's known as a hemorrhagic fever, and it often leads to death. When Rick learned he had the disease, he spent a lot of time in prayer. Just crying out to God and trying to trust God with whatever was going to happen. You know, God really met me during those few days. I think, uh, you know, I'd been a Christian since I was a young child, but I think to really have my faith tested like that, that was the first time that I'd ever really had to think about dying. And God gave me a real sense of peace and just confidence that I had been doing, you know, what he'd called me to do and that he'd take care of my family and he'd take care of our hospital. And if I died, then that was, you know, obviously for me, for me to die is to go to get to go and be with the Lord Jesus and it's going to be better. So it, he really reassured me that I didn't have to be afraid of anything. He kind of said, Rick, I can handle, I can handle your family. I'll take care of your family. 
I'll make sure that they're okay. You worry about me and you, and I'll take care of the rest. So that was a real reassurance from God. Rick was admitted to the Ebola treatment unit there in Liberia on Monday. On Tuesday, he got word that he was going to be evacuated to the States. And by the end of the week, Rick was on a plane headed to Nebraska. I ended up spending three weeks at the hospital in Nebraska. They had a wonderful team of people taking care of me, but I didn't have any visitors or anything. Uh, My wife was there with our, our sons, and we talked on like a Skype connection. They had a computer in the room, so I was able to see them on the screen and talk with them on the screen, which was a great blessing. Doctors treated Rick with an experimental drug called TKM Ebola. It was a drug that was ultimately never approved. But Rick is thankful it worked on him, and he's thankful for the medical team that took care of him. The team in Nebraska did a terrific job. God really was blessing me through them. Some of them were believers and were, had said they'd been praying for me, and they were all just really fabulous, wonderful people and very caring. And looked at their role in caring for me, I think, as more than just being a nurse or being a professional, but really cared for me personally as well. Even while Rick was in the Ebola treatment unit in Nebraska, he was making plans to return to Liberia, which he and Debbie did eventually do. Lots of people said I was crazy to do that, but there's really two things. One is that I'm immune to Ebola now, so having had it, you can't get it again. So that's a big plus Uh, right there in and of itself. It means I don't have to be afraid about that. And the second thing is that we had spent 15 years of our lives in Liberia. Liberia is our adopted home. The Lord has given us just a a burden and a, a strong connection to these people. They're our brothers and sisters. We couldn't stay away when there were good things for us to do in Liberia. Through his ordeal with Ebola, Rick says he came to understand that it is God's very nature to take bad events and work them out for the good of his people. It's not that God is able to do that, but it's that it's who he is, that that's who God is. God is a God who meets people in the midst of their most trying and difficult circumstances and shows himself in more real ways and lets them get to know him better through those very difficult circumstances, because we've been through some real challenging times in Liberia, and yet we consistently see how God meets people and lets them get to know him better through those very, very difficult times. Have you heard of the one who can calm the raging sea? Give sight to the blind, pull the lame up to their feet. With a love so strong, Dr. Rick Saker's story is extraordinary because of his surviving Ebola, but the way he experienced God's presence in the midst of that ordeal is not extraordinary. That's the way God works in the life of everyone who has surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. Would you like to do that, to surrender your life to Jesus? We can help. Visit us at this website, Find peacewithgod.net. And if you're already a follower of Christ, you can use that website to grow deeper in your faith. The address again is findpeacewithgod.net. Half a million dollars. That is a lot of money. And Dr. Sacra was recently awarded a grant of half a million dollars. And in just a minute, he'll tell us how it's going to be spent. You will be safe in his eyes. 
You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Liberia was founded by freed slaves from the United States. Billy Graham speaking in Liberia in 1972. There are hundreds of Christian assemblies, missions, and churches, and thousands of Christians in Liberia. Missionary work throughout the world is undergoing vast changes, upheavals, and revolutions. The concept of missions is changing rapidly. However, Christians everywhere are under orders to share their faith. The orders were given by our Commander-in-Chief 2,000 years ago. Jesus said, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Whether a man has yellow skin, white skin, or black skin, his heart is the same. God does not look upon people as representing various races. He only divides the human race into two categories, the saved and the unsaved. To the unsaved of the world, he says, your sins can be forgiven. You can find peace, joy, and rest. That's just a portion of a message. If you would like to hear the rest of it, then stop by the Billy Graham Audio Archives on our website. The address is billygrahamradio.org. Now, after you click on the Billy Graham Audio Archives, search for Liberia. There are more than 1,500 messages you can listen to on the archives anytime you please, and they're all found at this address, billygrahamradio.org. Our guest on this episode of GPS has been Dr. Rick Sacra. He works at the ELWA Missionary Hospital in Liberia, and he recently won the 2018 Gerson Lechaim Prize for Outstanding Christian Medical Missionary Service. It's a $500,000 grant, and Rick says he's going to use some of the money to build an intensive care program at the hospital, and he will also use it to help support the Family Medicine Residency Program he runs there. This is a Christian program where we kind of incorporate all the medical training that's needed for a family physician, but we also uh, get to demonstrate and model how to combine medicine and ministry, how to pray with patients, how to share with them the resources of prayer and what a difference that can make. Because, you know, when people are sick, it's not just about getting the right medicine. It's about settling your heart. It's about finding a place of peace and reassurance. And for us, that means um, the Word of God and being able to pray with our patients. And it's that's a wonderful privilege, getting to train younger doctors how to do that and how to combine and integrate good health care with the Christian faith. Dr. Rick Sacra, what an inspiring story he has, and we appreciate his sharing it with us. We also want to thank you for listening. I'm Phil Fleischman.
And I'm Jim Kirkland. Thank you indeed. And know that we love to hear from you. You can uh, communicate with us via email if you like. Our address is gps at billygram.org. You can send a message just like Carmen did. She's a friend in Cali, Colombia, and she let us know that she enjoys listening to what she called the wonderful testimonies of our guests. Thank you very much, Carmen. And we pray that it was a blessing to you. Uh, let us hear from you. Address again. GPS at billygram.org. This has been GPS God People Stories, an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. And on the day you call me in to heaven's sweet embrace, I see your scars, your open arms, and the beauty of your face. Through tears of joy, I lift my voice in everlasting praise. Hallelujah, Christ is risen from the grave.